sound of that tractor means it's time for us to put our boots on and go to work. Although, in the spirit of full transparency, I'm actually not wearing my boots today. I'm wearing my Jordans, which, by the way, are perfectly fine, acceptable PPE for the studio. So, just wanted to be up front with you. Welcome to the Give Us the Dirt podcast, powered by HGC. My name is Brandon Lindsay, and I am your host. I want to start a little bit differently today. Several weeks ago, we had a couple of guests to the podcast that shared their story. Neither guest had ever been on a podcast before. They were nervous about coming in, but by the end of the show, I could tell that they were having fun and even enjoying themselves at the chance to tell their story. They enjoyed it so much that they ended up sending me a gift, which was completely unnecessary, uh, but that gift was a case pocket knife. And accompanying the gift was this letter that I want to read to you. It says, Brandon, thanks so much for including us in the Give Us the Dirt podcast. We always enjoy the opportunity to shine a positive light on the construction industry. Enclosed, please enjoy this Case Brothers Sodbuster pocket knife. Case Brothers is one of the true made-in-the-USA companies, and after 125 years, quality and dependability still matter. Case named the knife the Sodbuster in the 1930s during the Dust Bowl. A sodbuster was a derogatory term used by the upper class to refer to people who worked in the dirt. Uh, Case presumably decided to flip the connotation of the term and use it to praise and acknowledge hardworking, utilitarian Americans. I think Case was exactly right in shining a positive light on hardworking people like the ones we both have the privilege to work with daily. Thanks for your efforts and your friendship. People, that is exactly what Give Us the Dirt podcast is all about. It's about changing the narrative. It's about flipping the stereotypes and putting a uh, spotlight on the hardworking men and women that make the construction industry great. I am proud to be a sodbuster. I'm proud to come from a long line of sodbusters, and I'm proud to use this platform to excavate the stories of fellow sodbusters across the industry. To my friend that gave me the knife, but more importantly, this letter and some very needed perspective, thank you. So speaking of sodbusters, we've got a real live one in the studio with us today, and this guy is not wearing Jordans, okay? Grayson Glover is a dear friend of mine, and I have the joy of being able to serve alongside of him at Hoopon Grading. I'm telling you right now, I'm calling it, this will be one of the coolest success stories that you've ever heard, and by the end of it, you'll be saying it couldn't have happened to a better guy. Grayson is currently VP of Construction at Hoopon Grading Company, and it is my joy to be able to Get the dirt from him today. Welcome, Grayson. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm looking forward to the podcast. Man, you've done this a million times, haven't you? Mm, to some degree, yeah. You should. You have the perfect voice for this. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so you've listened to the podcast a few times. You've heard a few of the episodes, and you know how we introduce our guests. So how would Lindsay introduce you to someone that does not know who Grayson Glover is? Um, she would say, um, this is my... My husband, Grayson, and what you see is what you get. He is what he is, and uh, there's there's no lot, not a lot of uh, glam, so to speak, I guess. I mean, it's, it's me. Hey, see what you get. Yeah, what you see is what you get. Well, that is not what she said about you. I actually called <laughs> <laughs> This I actually, ought to be interesting. I actually called it Ask Her, and she said, Grayson is patient, kind, calm and no matter what he's doing he does everything the right way and i thought whose wife says that about their husband 
Like, I, uh, uh, thank you, babe. Yeah, that was great. That was fantastic. So uh, we're going to dig into your story today, Grace, and I appreciate you being willing to share it. I have to admit that I did not know as much about your story as I thought I did. Okay. And uh, as I've started learning more about it, it, it was kind of like a Netflix series that I couldn't <laughs> stop watching, right? It was... Uh, you know, I know the end, but then I started mm-hmm. I started learning some of the pieces of this story. And so we're going to do that today. Our listeners have enjoyed hearing uh, success stories from, from people and how they got there and the paths they took to success. And so we're going to do that today, but we're, gonna, we're not going to take a linear approach to this. We're going to start with the end first okay. and then go back. And so I know you are nowhere close to the finish line. Uh, in your career, but you are currently the VP of construction at Hoopa Grading Company. I have to assume at this point in your life, you've, you've reached many of the goals that you've set out for yourself already. You've bought, built, and sold a company. Uh, you have, I, I, I don't know this for certain, but I assume that you have obtained some level of financial freedom at this point in your life. Uh, you have a wonderful family, and somehow through all of that, you've managed to gain the love and respect of everyone that you've been able to touch along the way. So, Grayson, it, it, I know you would never say this, but I think it's safe to assume that you are what most people would call successful, okay? So, but I also know that that path was not an easy one, and it certainly was not a predictable one. So take us back. That's the end, right? Okay, that's, that's, that's take, the end. That's where did this story start? Um, it started, Brandon, probably when I was seven, six, seven years old. Um, my grandfather on my mother's side was a huge influence in my life. And he was a captain in the Charlotte fire department and, um, also ran a gas station. And my grandmother worked for Allison fence company. They were very just salt of the earth people, but, but very family oriented and, and, and hardworking people. And so I guess my granddaddy probably started me on a tractor when I was maybe six. Is that the um, tractor? The, yeah, 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 that, that, that would be, that would be my first tractor there. Yes, sir. What a great I, picture. My, my granddaddy built that for me. Um, and it had a little buggy so I could go pick up sticks and it, it pedaled and I, well, in that picture, I'm probably about three or four. So, yeah, I, I guess my first tractor with the engine was about six or seven, but that was that was my first true uh, John Deere right there. So, um, and so they were a huge part of of my life and my upbringing. And so after I guess that first tractor there, I, I got wanting to know when I could get on the one with the engine. So he started me on old Massey Ferguson and. Uh, you know, every time I'd work with him on Saturdays or after school, he'd teach me a little bit more, teach me a little bit more. And then about that time too, I started taking some interest. My, my father, my uncle Daryl, um, they had owned a lawn and landscape business about that same time. I think they started that when I was maybe eight years old. So I, I, I took some liking to not only tractors and cutting trees, but cutting grass and, and landscaping. And, um, I would I would help them some, and then I, I started as I got a little bit older. Um, started cutting my own yards and trimming shrubs, and you know, putting out pine needles, whatever. Mostly for my friends' parents. So I guess about nineteen. It was nineteen ninety three. I was fifteen years old, and 
um, a friend of mine's parents needed the shrubs trimmed and pine needles done and stuff. So I was in their yard working. It was it was August of '93, and this gentleman pulls up, and he was 49 years old at the time, and we had never met. And so he rolls down the window. He said, "Who do you work for?" And I said, "No, sir, I don't. I don't work for anyone. So I work for myself." <laughs> and he said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 15. And he said, uh, you want a job? And I said, how much you pay? <laughs> and uh, he, he told me, and, and he said, I'll, he said, you look like a hardworking young man. He said, I'll start you out at $7 an hour. And at, at the time, I thought that was the cat's meow, you know. And, and I asked him, I said, now, do you mind if I still do my my side work on, on the side if I need to? And he said, no, that's fine. So I started working for him. Um, the weekends, afternoons, you know, when I wasn't playing sports or whatever, whenever I could, I just help him. And and he did at the time it was a lawn and landscape, so we did yard maintenance. Um, we we maintained the subdivision, and we started started doing that. And um, he started to get a little traction, picked up some more work, and um, so it we we continued to work until we graduated high school and. James got a scholarship to Western Carolina to play football, and uh, I I decided to go to East Carolina, and I did not know what I wanted to do. I, I'll be honest with you. I had no clue. I, I think I picked East Carolina just because that's where the majority of my friends were ending up, to be honest. So did you want to go to college? Um, in hindsight, if you would have asked me that question, knowing what I know now, I would have told you no. But so why'd you do it? Why why why'd you apply? You just felt like it was what you were supposed to do. What I was supposed to do, and and neither one of my parents. My mom went to school and got an associate's degree from Elon, but my dad was in the Air Force in in Vietnam, and and neither one of them had a four year degree. And I, you know, they they wanted me to pursue a higher education, and and about all my friends were. So I thought it was a thing to do, sure. you know. So I did, and. um I was thinking history and maybe going back to be a high school football coach or something. I didn't know. Um, so did did my freshman year at East Carolina, and then that summer came home and worked again. And, and by that time, that was summer of 97. And it didn't take long where we figured out that there was less competition in, in silt fence, which was fairly new at the time, than there was production landscaping. So about 96, 97 – Randy changed the name of the company from Lewis Lawn and Landscape to Erosion Control Services. So I came home in January 98. I finished that semester at East Carolina. came home in January 98, and uh, I worked all the way till August. And I started thinking about it about halfway, probably about April, May. I said, I got to make a decision. Either I'm going back to college or I'm going to do this full time. And we were starting to gain a little bit of steam. It was myself and Randy. It was just the two of us. And by that time, he's 55, 56 years old. So we're out there, you know, pounding silk fence posts together. I did most of the pounding. He did most of the fence work. But um, that summer before I – well, let me let me back up. So about that April and May, I decided, I said, I'm going to give school one more shot. So um, my cousin that's four years older than me was going to school at University of Georgia at the time. And he did, um, he was majoring in agronomy with concentration in turf grass maintenance, big golf course superintendent. And I said, well, that might be something I could do. So I uh, 
enrolled at NC State and uh, decided to go back that, that fall semester of 98 and give it one more shot. And uh, did that, but then, like I say, worked all summer. And then we, we hired that July 98, since I was decided to go back to school, we hired two employees, uh, Abel Montoya and, and Guillermo Perez, and they're both still with us 24 years later. But we hired them then um, about July, and I kind of got them trained up and uh, – so I left it with Randy and Guia and Annabelle. Went back to NC State, and a month into it, I said, I, I made a mistake. So I called my parents, and I called Randy, and I said, man, I, I made a mistake. I, th- I think I want to come on home. So at this point, you're still working alongside of Randy. You guys are running the business together. Yes, sir. And um, you said, all right, college is not my thing. I'm going to work, which – Grayson, I can tell that theme was there from the beginning. I, I'm sitting as you were telling the beginning of your story. I'm thinking, what makes a 12 year old go motivated to go out and cut lawns and to mow grass and put out pine needles and work? Um, was it the pay? Was it the money? Or was it just your love of working? Did you just? I think the love of working because I also had another buddy I used to detail cars with, and I started helping him detail cars probably about age of 12. He was a little bit older than me, but we had grown up going to church together and, and elementary school together. And so I would help him do that if I wasn't cutting grass, or cutting trees or whatever. So it was just, you just I, love to work. I, I just like to work. I mean, so walk me through. So you and Randy, you guys have sat and decided, all right, we're going to do this thing. You're all in at this yep. point. All in. Walk me through that transition of when Randy steps away from the business and you, you take right. the reins. So when I called him, I said, I, I'm, I'm going to come on home. And he said, that's good. And I said, you know, but I don't want to come home for $10 an hour. I said, now, I know we got to build this business. I said, I know it's going to take some time and some hard work. But I said, um, you know, if you could put me on some type of salary. And he said, I'll, I'll, I'll do you one better. He said, and at this point, I guess he was probably 57, let's see, 90, 99. He was, yeah, 57, 56, 57. And he said, if if we can build this thing together, he said, when I turn 70, it's yours. it's yours. And he said, we'll work out some type of retirement for me. But he said, it, it'll be yours. So there was your motivation. So there was a lot of motivation there. Um, so came home. Did he hold true to that? He did. He did. Now I, I had to hold his feet to the fire there for a little bit because yeah. this was in in uh, January 2012. So it was almost like, well, if I could get two more good years, you know, now that we're crawling out of the recession, I said, no, a deal was a deal. I said, I, I stuck to my bargain, my end of the bargain, and um, and we had grown it. I mean, when I came home in January '99, Gia and Abel were were with Randy, so it was the four of us, and we were doing about. Uh, Brandon, probably ten thousand dollars worth of work a month, and we were continuing to grow. and And by the, I think by the end of two thousand, we ended up doing we had gone from about two hundred forty thousand in ninety nine to about one point two million in in two thousand. And um, so we kept growing, kept working, and then. So you've got your team assembled at this point. Yes, sir. Yeah. Now you've you've brought in your buddies, you brought in your family, you've got your team assembled. Now you're ready, and you go, and, and you say, Randy, it's time. Yep, so that was in January of 2012. We took over the business. Um, 
Randy relinquished all rights. And, and I, you know, I went to James and Jeff and I said, look, y'all been a, and we had just come out of the, you know, worst recession in history, which we, we learned a tremendous amount by coming through it. But, you know, I told them, I said, you know, the deal was between Randy and I. I said, but, you know, I, I'm not foolish enough to think I could have done this all by myself. So when, when the paperwork was done with Randy, then I, I went back and said, all right, you're 33%, you're 33%, and I'm 34%. And so they um, were, of course, on board with that. And, I mean, they, they were right there with me the whole time. You know, like I said, I couldn't have done it without the two of them. And um, <clears throat> so we we started growing and and continued to grow. And, and by the time we, we did the merger with – with HGC, I mean, we were doing about and that six, was what 2018? 2018, October first, two thousand eighteen, and and we were doing about fifteen to sixteen million a year there. So, from ninety nine when I came home, we were doing two hundred forty thousand a year to fast forward then, to you 15, know, fifteen to sixteen million, million a year so, with 80, 85, 86 employees. Incredible, yeah, incredible. And I love the fact too, Grayson, that as you telling that story, you know, you got James, you got Jeff that come into this thing. You've been doing this at, since 1997 at this point, but mm-hmm. you made them – they were equal partners in this. Yes, sir. Yeah. And you guys did it together, and you did it very successfully. Tell me um, – real quick, uh, tell me about that about the merger. So you get to a point – this has been a labor of love for you. You've poured mm-hmm. your heart and soul into building this organization and this team, and you've done it, and this thing's taken off. Now you're at $16 million a year. Why merge? Um. Several things. We were the erosion industry had changed significantly since the early nineties, and it was getting into where all the third party inspections and I mean, you know, the the local municipality is one thing because that you know that basically forces what used to be our clients to do the service we provide. So the municipality is one thing, but. The internal, the internal stuff and, and the EPA regulations of, of monitoring and self-reporting and all, and it was getting to the point where, so between James, Jeff, and myself, we, we kind of ran individual companies. We, we had a base set of crews, and, and I would plan them. Jeff, Jeff would do the same thing, and James would do the same thing. Then when we needed to overlap or work together, we would do it, and, and we kept clients separate. So I had a group of clients. He did, James did, and Jeff did. So, um, we were starting to get burned out and, and between the three of us, so we had 99 clients, 99 companies we did business for, but between the three of us, we were running and managing about 317 active job sites. So it was helter skelter. Um, at this point I was not married and, and James was not married and Jeff had a wife and, and two little ones. And James and I are looking at each other like, man, if, if we don't figure something out, we're, we're never going to find time to stop and, and, and do what we wanted to do and start, you know, start a family. So you realize this wasn't sustainable. <clears throat> yeah. You couldn't keep at this pace. And it was probably putting you in a position where you weren't able to do the parts of the job that you love. Yeah. You were, you were having to do the other things that come along with a $16 million a year company. Yes, sir. Yeah. It was it was tough. And so you needed resources. Yeah, and we, we had – we're looking for the right people and, and the right resources, and we had some hiccups and, and couldn't couldn't hire anyone and or couldn't find the right person, the right people to help manage. And you know, 
lead the company. And then um, another factor that had kind of taken some wind out of her sails in, in July of 2016, we had an employee killed. Um, we still don't really know, never figured out the exact specifics of it, but a tractor flip, he was not buckled up and, and lost his life. And, and that took a lot of, a lot of wind out of the three of ours sales. And, um, it's something I'll never forget and something I, I hope that I never have to go through again. Um, so you take that accident into account and then the frustration that was starting to build between myself, James and Jeff working seven days a week. And I met Brian McManus in 2002, right after he came to work for Larry and we ended up hitting it off. Um, and we became good business associates, but then also started becoming good friends. And he and his wife, Christy, ended up introducing me to my wife. Um, and then the friendship continued to grow from there as 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 uh, couples and, and friends. And um, he had been after me for a little while about leasing him some more help. He was having trouble finding help, couldn't find the right people, the right caliber of management. And, and I just I told him, I said, Brian, I, I don't have it. And this was – this this started not long after the accident, probably late 2016, and it went. He kept he kept kind of pecking at me, you know. 2017, hey, I'll, you know, just just send the crews to the shop. I'll I'll have you don't have to do anything. Just give me a weekly rate. And I said I can't do it. I said I, I don't have enough to take care of my my other clients. And at the time, Hoopa was about 16 percent of our gross business, so they were one of the biggest accounts if, if at the time I think they actually were the biggest account HGC was. And, um, so we were James and Jeff and I, it was about June of 2018. We were sitting in, in the office late one night and it, we'd been through the ringer on some thunderstorms and it was a mess. And I just spun my old chair around. I said, fellas, I got an idea. And I said, I don't know if this will work, but I said, if, if y'all are game, I'll go talk to Brian and, and I said, you know, I, I think we could do some type of merger acquisition here, and it would benefit both both companies tremendously. And they were all for it. So I texted Brian, and, and Brian and I never, as, as good of friends as we've become, we did not really go to many business lunches or anything. I mean, I, I, maybe a handful over 18 years, you know, and, or 16 years, whatever it was. And um, I texted him. I said, man, can you meet me for lunch one day? And he said, Sure. And and he said, "What's this about, G?" And I said, "It's it's about the future." And I, I just left it at that. So he's since told me that he was walking out of the office that day, and he looked at somebody and said, "I think old Grayson's going. I think he's going to get us those extra crews I've been asking for for two years." So we went to Harper's over here at Carolina Place Mall, and we sat down, and he had ordered a pizza, and and I, I can't remember what I ordered, but um, he was. We we had you know caught up a little bit, and then I said, "Well, you know what I wanted to talk to you about." And he was taking a bite of his pizza, and I said, "You said you needed some help." And I said, "How about all of us?" And he he pulled his old head back and chewed his pizza up, and he said, "You mean like you and everybody?" And I said, "Yep." And he said, well, "Hell yeah!" And so we we stood out in the parking lot for probably four hours, and, and at the time he was still partners with Larry. He said, "I, I need to go." Brian was majority, but Larry was still big part. And he said, I need to run all this by Larry. So, 
he called me back the next day and said, Larry, get thumbs up. So he said, how are we going to do this? You, you want to ask me something? Oh, I remember that day. Yeah. I remember him coming back, and it, it was like his mind was blown. He yeah. wasn't prepared for that conversation, Mm-mm. but he was excited about it. And I think uh, that was a, that was a, probably the easiest decision that he's ever had to make because it made perfect sense. And to, to bring those two teams together that were already working together uh, to become a better company – I, it was an easy decision for him, but I remember that day. I remember yeah. him leaving to come talk to you and coming back and just thinking, "Wow, yeah, yeah. huge and, opportunity." And and it it you know and and I can't say enough about the man he is and and how good he is to work with and work work for as an employee. But you know, out of the ninety nine clients that I I said um, ECS had, he he is the only one and and. Charlotte region that we would have done that deal with. And we had had other people from Atlanta contact us about purchasing the business and us continuing to run it as, as an erosion control company. And, you know, the other, the other part of it was some of our key guys that have been with us 20 plus years, you know, they were getting on some, some age on them. And sometimes that erosion stuff, especially after big storms, I mean, it's very labor intensive work and, you know, my thinking was if these men could come work with their mind and their, their talents in the machine a little bit better, I mean, it would be easier on them through their 40s and 50s and 60s and give them some longevity in this this career in this industry. And um, we didn't talk to any of them. So once once Brian and I kind of did that, and then we went back one afternoon at Firebirds and figured everything out on a napkin. And then that, that may be a topic for another podcast, but it threw the attorneys and the CPAs off when, when we, the transparency, it, they just. They're not used they to having something like that. And no. transaction is going so well and two people that are interested in helping each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we, well, he can't be in the room with us and we're like, no, he can and I can, and it's all good. Y'all just, just tell us what we got to do, but this is what we want to do. And um, Grace, what an incredible story. I mean, just, you know, to think about you starting off and mowing grass and taking that and getting that team, developing that team, bringing those people into the fold, building the business to what you did, and then f- having the courage to step out of it and say, look, this has grown beyond what I enjoy doing and what I feel comfortable doing. And it's time to join forces mm-hmm. uh, with someone else that can help yep. us get to that next level. And yep. that that merger's been a successful. Oh, very. I mean, huge success. Um, and you're still working. You didn't have to. No, sir. No, I, I, did, I didn't. But I, I truly do love what I do. And and the people is, is what it's all about. And, and that core, I mean, unfortunately, during the, the 08, 09 recession, we at ECS, we went from about 90 employees down to 30. And that was probably one of the second, probably second hardest thing besides having the loss on the job. Um was was letting some of those men go it was i'd done everything i could do and um but that core 30 we stayed together and then once we started growing again some of those men came back that that we had had to let go they said we want to come back and um so we did that but i mean the the merger has been a huge success and all those guys i mean you, you know and that was my biggest fear in all of it was when when I laid that out there to those eighty men, would they buy in and and, and trust my gut and my lead, and, and not we we wouldn't have a mass exodus and 
all of a sudden, you know, we went from 80-something people to, to 20. And, I mean, because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, I don't, I couldn't stop them if they wanted to leave. And we huddled them all up in the office one morning. We talked, and and I did my best to assure them that this was done and, and not only the business's best interest and my best interest, but also them as my extended work family because, I mean, truthfully, I spend more time with, with those men over the last 20 years than I do with my own family. And and they all bought in, and I think if you ask any one of them today, they would say that it has been nothing but great for them and so they didn't their leave families. It? No, sir. We, they we, we lost, I think, eight, nine, nine out of – 81 is, is what we ended up losing. and Grayson, I think that's incredible. And I think that right there is a testament to your, your leadership and to that, um, the other guys too, to Jeff and James and what you guys have built. And I think that, right, you know, people that are listening to your story and they're saying, oh, my gosh, how do you do that, right? How do, how do you go and, and start working at, as a teenager and go to one year of college and turn around and get to the position where you are at today? And it's – it's those leadership skills that you developed along the way. Grace, when I ask people to describe you and what kind of leader you are, they use words that don't typically that you don't hear with leaders that they, they say slow, soft, easy, sweet. Yeah. That one came from Brian. Yeah. He called yeah. you sweet. Yeah. Empathetic, I, patient, yeah. calm, kind. Like those are not typical qualities that you associate with the leader of a business. But those are the qualities that have allowed you to keep that team together. Yes, sir. And have allowed you to stay successful. So how do you do that, Grace? How do you take that basket of qualities and and keep that team motivated to where when you say, hey, we're going to go in this direction, will y'all come with me? They say yes. I, I don't know that I can honestly answer that question, Brandon. I mean, it's just I, who you are. I think, I mean, by the grace of God, I was born into the family that I was born into. I had... I mean, awesome grandparents, awesome parents, awesome aunts and uncles, um, you know, very supportive brother who ended up coming on board with us in, in August of 13, and he's still part of the company, and then, you know, Uncle Daryl and Jeff. But, I I mean, at the end of the day, it was just, I, I think, who I was and, and how I was born, but also just always trying to treat people the way you wanted to be treated yourself. and. It wasn't about you. Yeah, it was about that family that you talk yeah. about, that work family, and making sure that uh, that you were you were there and you were serving them. Yeah, yeah, there for them, and and to have their best interest at heart, and and the families that they were starting, and and they, as they started to have wives and children and all, I mean, it just the family grew, and and it was of my mindset that I need to take care of this family. I mean, you know. That's how you become a success. Success. That's how you have a successful business. You become a leader that people want to follow because of what you represent and what you've done for them. And that's the kind of leadership that you had displayed. And that's what you had. That's why you yeah. had their hearts. Yeah. And yeah. it's all like say, hey, you know, no. I, I mean, I know I made mistakes along the way, but it's it's truly. I mean, looking in the rearview mirror, I, I really think it was how I treated them as people. Just, I agree. Very and simple. I've had the joy of being able to watch you do that, and I've watched those qualities. Like I've watched you do that, and I, you know, I'm I'm in a position of leadership, but I don't have 
patience. I'm not. I'm, I don't do things slow. Like I am. I'm wired. I'm running all the time, and I watch you, and I watch you do it that way. But I also see that you found a way to do it and be productive and efficient. Yeah. And that's always amazing yeah. to me. I think it's a gift that you have, and I think it's definitely one of the reasons that you have been as successful as you have been. Grayson, yes. give us the dirt. Tell us, man, you, you hit all these goals. You go out there. You achieve all these milestones that you want to achieve in life. What's next? What goals are left to achieve? My, my main goal and my main objective, and it, it would be for the younger generation to be able to – to coach and lead and mentor those men and, and hopefully prevent them from having some of the frustrations that I had along the way, taking those things I've learned. And, and I, I told two young men the other day that, that one day we'll be running this company, helping run this company. I said, you know, I said, guys, y- y'all know how to do the work, but I said, it's, it's the people portion. And I said, if, if you can wrap your hands around that and, and learn how to work with everybody and treat people the way you want to be treated and put put them first, put others first. I said, the sky is the limit for you in this company. And, you know, we all come to work to provide for our families. I mean, you do want to make it about the employee, about the people, about the team. And and I've always thought if, if people enjoyed coming to work and were happy to doing what they do, then – the productivity and the execution will come by default because they believe in the mission. That was a uh, that was a quote that Lindsay gave me about you. It's kind of been your life motto that if you get it right, people will notice. Yep, yep. It, and everything you do, you try to make sure that you do it the right way. Yep. And people have noticed. Yep. And, and you know, and and no no one's perfect and. It's like a, you've heard me say this before. An old man told me one time, he said, there is no losing. He said, it's winning or learning. He said, the only time you lose is if you make the same mistake three times and you haven't learned yet. And and I've tried to take some of that stuff that some of those older, old school guys told me and just just put it all together. And, I, you know, I like I say, I couldn't have done it without the supporting staff and, and – everybody that's that's been there around me i mean it, it it truly was a group effort and i just i'm i'm thankful that they they trusted me enough to let me lead them and 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 follow me to where we are today well grayson it's a wonderful story i'm honored to be able to have the joy of being able to serve alongside of you it's been yeah. fun getting to to know you and to hear your story and i I have no doubt that there are business leaders out there that have been taking tons of notes off of your story right now, listening yeah. to this episode. But I also hope that there's a young man or woman out there that's thinking, you know, my path doesn't have to look just like everybody else's. Yeah. I can be successful and I can achieve my goals and take a different path. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's about hard work and, and putting, putting the people and the teammates first. And if you can, if you can do that, I mean, I, I think the sky's the limit for anyone. Grayson, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for sharing your story, and uh, we look forward to having you back. All right. I look forward to being back, and thanks for having me today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Give Us the Dirt. Our podcast is powered by Hoopa Grading Company in Charlotte, North Carolina, and produced by Well Run Media and Marketing. Visit our website at giveusthedirtpodcast.com. And subscribe to this podcast on Apple and Google so you never miss an episode.